0: and welcome to the Remenya Cherry Show. We happen to be recording this live, of course, at noon, one of our favorite things to do. And it's actually nice out here in Seattle. Um, The skies are clear. It's not cold or rainy. It's actually really, really beautiful. So, of course, um, we hope wherever you are in the world, no matter what time of day it is for you, that you're enjoying your weather, whatever it is, or the starlit sky or a beautiful sunrise or a sunset. And welcome so much um, to where energy and medicine meet. Um, and this is my last live show at noon.
1: I know. Uh, I know. I'm sad over here.
0: I, because Eric doesn't get to come with me.
1: Yeah. Because you're the afternoon. I'm the afternoon guy. You're
0: so. the afternoon engineer guy. So yeah. you have to stay in the studio when I'll be at home seeing clients. And uh, I'm so sorry that we won't be hanging out like we have me been for the too. last
1: me too. many, many years. Hopefully, I'll see you around, nevertheless.
0: Nevertheless, <laughs> absolutely. So after making some you know, choices about airtime, I've decided to move to the 9 a.m. slot right. on Thursdays. So we won't, we won't be doing a live show at noon, and we won't be doing a repeat show, show at noon either. We're just going to be doing a live show at 9 a.m. Um, starting next week kind of exciting and having a new spot, even though Eric is not going to be hanging out with it. You'll have a new person to hang out with, Eric.
1: I will, yeah. So looking forward to new programming in this time slot, but uh, we will miss you here in the afternoons, of course.
0: Thank you. And you can listen to any of the shows um, via the website at energyintuitive.com. All the shows are archived. There's hundreds of them. And I hope that you enjoy them. So, if you miss the nine a m hour and you and you're disappointed that there's nothing at noon, you can go to the website and listen to your heart's content about whatever um, is interesting to you. And hopefully we'll run into you, Eric, in the hallways at the very least, although I get here a little bit earlier than you, I think, right? You do,
1: but occasionally I have to come in early for stuff, so I may see you anyway.
0: Maybe we'll share some tea, and I'll find out how the noon hour is going.
1: That sounds good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So as everyone knows, I love the concept of energy and medicine coming together, that we are... Really expansive human beings. There's a lot we can do for our health and our well-being. And today, um, I have the honor of interviewing Dr. Richard Isaacson. He's an MD and actual neurologist, um, Harvard-educated, who wrote a beautiful book with his co-author, Christopher Oshner, The Alzheimer's Diet, A Step-by-Step Nutritional Approach for Memory Loss and Prevention and Treatment. Fantastic, wonderful book. I'm um, welcome to the show, Dr. Isaacson.
2: Hey, thanks, Marie. Thanks so much uh, for having me on. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> So have you always been interested in the disease Alzheimer's?
2: Yeah, so when I was, uh, I was a little kid, I was uh, in high school and just uh, just actually about to join uh, my, my high school uh, class. I was in 8th grade going to ninth grade that summer. Uh, my Uncle Bob was actually diagnosed uh, with Alzheimer's disease. Um, back then, um, this was a very, um, you know, now there's not much known about it, but back then there was little, little known about it. There was no treatments, no therapies, no even ideas on what to do. Um, and then basically kind of over time, I, I was pretty close to my Uncle Bob. He's a super sweet guy. He actually introduced my parents, so if it wasn't for my Aww. Uncle I I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be here today. Um, And, 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 you know, he was the type of guy who was always laughing, smiling, life of the party. Uh, What a party. That's what he always used to say. And, you know, I just saw what Alzheimer's did to him. And it kind of took away his memory. It took away his, uh, you know, ability to care for himself. And, you know, what it also did is had an effect on, you know, the entire family. And basically when I went to med school and I, I realized, you know what, I had a connection uh, to patients, not just patients uh, with Alzheimer's, but also their family members, I just kind of knew what they were going through. So I think uh, that's kind of pushed me towards the uh, the neurology sort of way, the Alzheimer's way. And then actually about uh, about a month and a half after I finished my neurology training, Alzheimer's specialty, years of fellowship, and this and that, actually I uh, was at a wedding with my uh, dad's cousin, Charlotte. And um, then again, I saw Alzheimer's disease in another family member. So, You know, I I think um, Alzheimer's disease is personal uh, when it comes to um, me and and, and the way I treat it. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier, uh, you know, there's no one magic bullet. There's no one magic pill or patch or whatever to to treat most diseases, especially Alzheimer's. And the the comprehensive approach, you know, uh, really thinking outside the box, making the box bigger, and just trying anything and everything as long as it's safe uh, is really, I think, the reason I treat Alzheimer's patients because I've experienced it for myself.
0: Well, and we're so lucky to have you do so, especially with an, an open box method where you're willing to look at of course safe and reliable methods that could help an individual, you know, prevent the disease and of course prolong many of its symptoms hopefully years, you know, out so that they can live full and wonderful lives. Have you always been interested in nutrition cuz you know, I, I don't know if you know this but my background isn't I'm an RN and I was right. an oncology yeah. nurse, so I don't haven't met that many physicians who are truly interested in nutrition, and you absolutely are.
2: Yeah, you know, um, in medical school, we, have, we had all of four hours of nutrition education um, in all of my years of medical training. And then I think in my four years of residency, I think I had one or two lectures on nutrition in the brain. So um, basically, I became interested in nutrition when I started reading all the science and all the literature and all the research that was coming out. But yet, I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't understand why and it was never taught. It so, uh, in my search for trying to, you know, uh, treat patients and, you know, to not just reduce risk but also treat patients already with memory loss, I wanted to learn about anything and everything. So actually, I've only been interested in nutrition for the last uh, probably seven or eight years, um, wow. and much more so actually now. All of my research focuses on uh, nutrition in the brain, um, not just um, you know putting people on different diets, but also monitoring how they do. And we built this computer database, and we're really trying to figure out uh, what may work, what may not work, and and really, uh, you know, balancing, again, safety with potential benefit.
0: Well, we thank you very much for doing that. You know, Washington State is a Super health conscious state, yep. and so um, if you could move your practice from Florida to Washington, we'd all appreciate it. <laughs>
2: Sounds good. I think we're at opposite ends of the. Of the I, know. States, but I, but, I know. I know. Uh, you, you have you have better weather sometimes. We got better other weather other times. But it seems uh, seems like a nice place to be. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah both both places, and yeah. s- and so then you treat even other diseases that come into your office as a neurologist with um, dietary um, advice as well
2: yeah i mean i'm I'm pretty super specialized I would say ninety nine percent of my of the patients I see are either going to be for treating alzheimer's. I would say one out of every three patients is not really for treatment but actually for risk reduction or a possible prevention of Alzheimer's disease usually wow. family members friends of patients who want to reduce their risk there's just I, I it's pretty amazing that you know I can actually have a practice where I see patients for alzheimer's prevention i i mean that's like could have been termed science fiction, you know, several several years ago. So I think we're making a lot of progress. But most of the things that I see are going to be Alzheimer's. Um, I would say once in a while I see someone with another, I guess I would say it's a neurodegenerative disease, which basically means the brain is aging quicker than it should and no one else knows what to do. So I'll end up, you know, getting a referral and and I'll actually every single time that I get a referral where no one else knows what to do, I'm going to, of course, recommend nutrition because there's just you know, so much upside oh, yeah. uh, and uh, and so much potential.
0: Oh, no, that's fantastic. I, I think the reason why, you know, if you have so many people, one of the reasons in your office, you know, maybe they had a situation like your Uncle Bob, you know, in right. their own family, and people are terrified of Alzheimer's. It's a really scary disease, and it now mm-hmm. takes the lives of, um, it's the sixth leading cause of death, death in the U.S., yep. is that correct?
2: Yep, you got it. That's yeah. a
0: huge number.
2: Yeah, and um, you know, it's, you know, five point four million Americans have Alzheimer's now. You know, baby boomers started turning uh, age sixty-five last year for the first time, or two years ago. I mean, the, the explosion of Alzheimer's uh, cases—it's just—it's just, just going to be even more apparent. And you know, the number one risk factor for Alzheimer's disease is advancing age, and we have an aging population. So I think it's uh, you know, the the public health crisis, public health emergency—it's it, already hit us, and I think um, you know we're finally starting to make some good progress on uh, on therapy.
0: And I love that it's nutritional based because it's something we can go to the grocery store or order, you know, from a pharmacy, um, a health pharmacy, supplements and whatnot, and just integrate them into our daily life, which is wonderful for the rest of the organs in the body, too, not just the brain.
2: Yep, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's not just about a pill. It's not just about nutrition. I mean, there's so many other things too. I mean, you know, stress reduction, um, yoga, meditation. Uh, I mean, there's so much evidence now uh, to to help support this. Um, activities, mental activities, learning something new, music therapy, music activities. There's just so many components that, and, and truly, if we want to have the most benefit, we need to to attack this. Uh, you know, attack kind of like a war. We need all the different branches of the military, and we need this way and that way, and, and you know. In a in a, in a safe way, we have to have a, a really comprehensive approach uh, to this disease.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's really sweet that you thought about it as a war, but all of those things that you talked about are calm and gentle right. and you know, <laughs> exactly. good for the body and the mind. That's adorable. It's just a exactly. peaceful war. There I right do go. think you should move your practice to Seattle. But, <laughs> you know, if, if someone really needs some Alzheimer's and consultation, I'm sure you can even help patients over the phone or with their own yeah. physicians. You can yeah. offer great yeah. consultations for them. No of course,
2: where yeah, they and uh, and I got to, you know because of you know all the patients that are on my waiting list <laughs> and that I, they can't get to see me. Um, I ended up writing a, a couple books. I wrote one book a couple years ago, just finished it up uh, last year, all about Alzheimer's treatment and Alzheimer's prevention, and and uh, you know just for patients and family, written in large print. And then of course the new book is uh, the Alzheimer's diet. So even if I don't get to see a patient in my practice, there's just so much good um, you know reading materials now and caregiver support that are that are now out there to help.
0: I, I would agree, in, and and this book, the Alzheimer's diet, it's wonderful step-by-step nutritional approach for memory loss prevention and treatment. And what I love about it is you do talk about the science behind the nutrition as well, which is really important I think the more people know about their bodies and what's working and what's not and why you need to have more fish oil or um, dark chocolate, which is like my the cocoa. Uh, that was like my favorite part of the diet. Um, and I'm not a milk chocolate fan, so I'm really happy about this ingredient in the diet since I'm on the fringe of the baby boomer uh, era. Um, and, and also Interesting enough, this is something that holistic medicine doesn't talk about in terms of a healthy part of the diet, which is coffee. And you recommend like one to three cups of coffee a day.
2: Exactly. So everything in moderation. That's what my mom told me. And when it comes to coffee, you know, there's been um, a lot of studies that have looked at people. For example, in Europe, and it looked like when you look at big groups of people, the people that drank coffee. Now, not not big gobs and bags of co- gobs and co- gobs of coffee, but you know, four ounces is a cup. You know, four to six ounces in some ways, and you know, uh, you know, two to three. Not not a big Starbucks a venti, whatever. How many ounces and calorie? I don't know who, who the heck knows how much stuff is in there. But um, you know, regular caffeinated coffee does seem. Um, you you know, decaf coffee, we don't know if it works or not, but it seems like caffeinated coffee um, in, in moderation, you know, two to three small cups, not gigantic cups, uh, earlier in the day um, has uh, shown some evidence. And when it comes to dark chocolate, the most recent um, studies actually show that dark cocoa powder, and it's not just like, you know, eating a dark chocolate bar it tastes good, and I love dark chocolate, it's my <laughs> vice, um, but, you know, it's all the sugar and the fat and all the extra stuff right. in there that kind of uh, maybe even partially negates the the positive benefits of the dark cocoa but the most recent study actually showed and this was amazing it, it didn't just show that people that had dark cocoa powder um basically you know every day it didn't just help with memory and and thinking skills, but actually it also improved blood pressure and also something called insulin resistance, which I know you're familiar with, but Mm -hmm. uh, for the folks in the audience, um, insulin resistance basically means that um, it's kind of like a pre-diabetes state. It's basically when you eat sugar or carbohydrates, your body produces something called insulin. The insulin basically is helpful to break down the sugar. It's a simplified way to think about it. Insulin in the body is is one thing, but insulin in the brain um, is probably causing inflammation and and inflammation, Mm -hmm. And causes uh, quicker brain aging. So if mm-hmm. we can not just de- decrease carbohydrates but also make the insulin work better, well, that's how dark cocoa powder uh, may actually uh, have its, uh, derive its brain-boosting benefits.
0: So you can throw a tablespoon of that or a little scoop into your smoothie in the morning. And... Yep. Oh, that sounds every, great! Every morning. Every
2: morning. That's what I. That's what I do. <laughs> every Excellent. morning. Excellent. Some people say, "Do as I say, not as I do." I, <laughs> I do every single thing that I talk about. I,
0: I so. believe you do. I, you know, because yep. you seem to to be very dedicated to health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. While you also had a nutritionist co-author the book with you.
2: So. He's, a, he's, a, he's a nutrition scientist or a nutrition oh. expert. Actually, he's a, he's a PhD. Um, he's a uh, basically he does research on brain imaging and nutrition and obesity. And uh, he's he's like way over my head. Smart. Um, <laughs> he's the smarter one. I'm the better looking one. That's, that's how we do. <laughs> well, that's you, how we do. Okay.
0: You guys are both really smart. Harvard, and he works at the Columbia University. So yeah. I think you guys got it all in the brain. And right, you both great. look very attractive. So you have both of it going on.
2: I appreciate it. I have a, I have a voice for. Ra- I have a face for radio. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I usually
0: say. so the coffee, you also believe that it's possible through research um, that it actually protects the brain.
2: Yes. I mean, um, you know, is it, and the most recent uh, research, and, you know, we're, we're stuck, the uh, SMDs are stuck in this box of research, 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 and it's not all about research because a lot of things, you know, you just can't prove. But the most recent stuff actually has has been shown in mice. And mice that um, were given caffeinated coffee versus decaffeinated coffee versus caffeine, what the researchers showed, and this is uh, kind of summarizing, is there's probably a, a, a substance in coffee. What the researchers showed was that they called it a substance X. There's some unknown naturally occurring something that's in coffee, brewed coffee, that has some sort of protective effect on the brain. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think it's been isolated yet. I know it hasn't. But in the future, hopefully some sort of natural derivative of of coffee beans will be able to be uh, therapeutic in Alzheimer's.
0: That sounds perfect. I I would absolutely love that. And we're taking your calls here on the Marie Manu-Cherry Show. We're going to take a little break here. Um, and then, of course, we have people already on the phone lines wanting to get information for you, Dr. Isaacson, who is Harvard-trained neurologist who wrote a beautiful book with Dr. Christopher Ocher, Ph.D., called The Alzheimer's Diet, a step-by-step nutritional approach for memory loss and the prevention and treatment. We'll be right back. <laughs>
3: This coming March, Marie will be making her way back to the East Coast. She's excited to announce that she will be attending the Virginia Festival of the Book, March 20th through the 24th. Before Marie heads off to Charlottesville, she will make a stop in Asheville, North Carolina at Malaprop's Bookstore Tuesday, March 19th at 7 p.m. Marie will give a talk and sign copies of Intuitive Self-Healing. Find out more about these events and others in 2013 at energyintuitive.com.
2: There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman. Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family... Relocation, or just curiosity, call for a live reading Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and visit Deborah's website at DeborahSilverManAstrology.com.
1: I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We bring a unique talk radio blend your way every Friday and Saturday on 1150 KKNW.
2: From pop culture to the paranormal, you get variety in a conversational style.
1: Whether it's UFOs or ESP, angels or the afterlife, Bigfoot or your big dreams, everything is fair game on our show.
2: Join the A-team of Alternative Talk Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on the station that leads the pack without following the herd. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
0: This is Alternative Talk, 1150. Got it? Cool. And welcome back to the Marie Cherry Show. It's the noon hour, and I'm talking with Dr. Isaac. I'm Dr. Richard Isaacson from Florida. He's a neurologist, Harvard trained, who currently serves the vice chair of education and the director of the McKnight Brain Institute in the Department of Neurology at the University of Miami. So you're a really busy guy.
2: A little bit. Yeah, i got a couple things going on, <laughs>
0: just a little bit. So thank you so much for um, being able to talk with us today on the other side of the country for you. Um, and one of the things that I think is fascinating, we do have a caller that's going to be talking about it too, is coconut oil, because I'm a big fan of virgin organic coconut oil. I put like a teaspoon in my tea every morning. And and when I was reading in the book, it was saying that the research isn't quite clear yet if that is helpful or not.
2: Right. So when it comes to coconut oil, I think let's let's take a step back a little bit. And this sure. theory behind why coconut oil works is a very, very, very strong theory, and it's it's uh, grounded in in, in 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 a in a you know very plausible and actually fairly effective if, if it can be done the right way. Um, I think coconut oil is exciting, but I think there's you know just like I said, like I said before, like decreasing carbohydrates is good for the body. All carbohydrates aren't created equal. There's good carbohydrates and not as good carbohydrates, so There's the bad stuff and the good stuff, um, brain healthy versus not. When it comes to coconut oil, it's kind of the same thing. Um, the specific aspect or the specific makeup of coconut oil that is good for the brain is something called a medium chain triglyceride. What this is basically uh, trying to uh, be is like a, it's a fat, it's a healthy fat and just like Bad and good carbohydrates. There's also bad and good fats, um, and the specific component of coconut oil that has the most um, probably brain boosting effect is a medium chain triglyceride that has a, a very specific number of carbons. So I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the details here, but um, we need to to kind of figure out which different types of coconut oil may be effective versus others. And then there's another sort of thing, and it's called a medical food. Um, I don't know if um, maybe some of the listeners are not aware of what a medical food is. It's not a drug. It's not an FDA-approved drug. It's not a supplement, um, but it's somewhere kind of in the middle. It's basically um, as safe as anything you can buy in the grocery store um but basically there has to be some sort of scientific research and usually it's um available by a prescription for a doctor mm. so there's actually a medical food that takes the um the, the the theories and the science behind coconut oil and basically um uses a very specific um medium chain triglyceride not try not to use a technical term but if you want it, if you want it, it's called caprylic triglyceride and basically that specific substance after you drink it it basically goes, gets digested, goes to the liver, and an hour and a half, two hours later uh, gets metabolized and can provide an alternative energy or alternative fuel source for the brain. Wow. So the take-home point here is coconut oil is fascinatingly interesting. Um, the, the issue that most um, uh, practitioners have is that we just there's just like such limited research on it. And in the setting where you have a medical food, where there's been a little bit more research um, and you just know the safety profile a little bit more, um, I think that is maybe more the deferred pathway when it comes to therapeutics. Mm -hmm. Now, coconut oil, um, there should be more research and there probably will be more research on it. And, you know, there are definitely very, very many upsides to coconut oil. But for example, too much coconut oil can cause, you know, a little bit of weight gain and, right. you know, potentially um, elevation of triglycerides. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though it's the better fats and the good fats, too much of anything may not be a good enough thing. Um, so, you know, in a case like this, it's all about balance.
0: Mm. And you talk a lot about oils throughout the whole book, you know, fish oils and avocado oil. And I mean, really, you talk about all these healthy oils that most Americans actually avoid in in our fast foods and our fast lifestyle. We're not eating those oils.
2: Right. When it comes to. The oils, um, you know, fish oil is so incredibly important. Um, and just like carbohydrates, they're not all created equal. Fish oils, some are more important and more, uh, I would say, brain healthy or brain boosting. The very specific type of fish oil um, that I recommend uh, not only in terms of people eating very specific types of fish, but also as a supplement supplement in pill form is something called DHA. Mm-hmm. It's an omega-3 fatty acid. It's one of the many. Um, DHA or doxahexanoic acid is basically the one that has the most... Um, Uh, basically evidence as well as a most um, kind of uh, theoretical help or benefit for protecting the brain. So I do recommend that my patients have fish uh, several times a week, um, lake trout, mackerel, herring, albacore tuna, uh, wild salmon instead of farm-raised salmon. It's much more uh, rich uh, in the the omega-3s. Or in fact, you don't even need to, if you don't eat fish, that's okay too. The fish get the DHA or the omega-3s from algae. And actually what you can do is you can actually um, eat or or take um, some supplements a pill form that are actually algae based uh, omega 3s or some people say algae based fish oil but it's kind of a wow. misnomer um but algae based DHA and there's actually really strong evidence randomized double blind placebo controlled blah blah all the all the <laughs> important scientific stuff that uh that you know the that that you know we we go by sometimes um when it comes to fish oil or DHA um, there's actually fairly strong evidence that taking fish oil supplements made of algae um, can actually be protective uh, for the memory um, when people just uh, have either no or very mild memory loss.
0: Wow. Okay, that is fantastic. I have a bunch of friends I'm going to be sending that info to um, when I get off of the air today. <laughs> Eric, why don't we go ahead and, and go to the phone lines. And even sure. though I, I, asked, I cheated and asked Jill's question, who will be second, she can always ask another one.
1: Sure, sure. sure. Let's go ahead and talk to Hytomi now in Portland.
0: Hello. Oh, hello, you're on the air with Dr. Isaacson. What can he
2: do for you? Hi, Hi. Marie,
4: hello Dr. Isaacson.
2: How are you doing, thanks for calling.
4: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is really fascinating to hear about coffee, coconut oil, and, and everything, and so I would definitely take your book out, yes.
2: <laughs> cool, thank you.
4: Yes, um, I have a dear mother-in-law Mm -hmm. and um, she's been, uh, she's now 76, and uh, she's been a caregiver to her own mother and her sister, which is her aunt, and that aunt is suffering uh, from severe Alzheimer's disease right now, Mm -hmm. and the two sisters are living in a senior community, so they don't live together,
5: Mm -hmm. and
4: um, well, the aunt is, is uh, well calling uh, my mother-in-law, um, well maybe dozen or more times a day,
2: mm-hmm. uh, with
4: the same kind of questions to pacify her anxieties, and uh, which is um, well um, well unfortunately driving my mother-in-law nuts. Nice. And um, all all this, she's been very very patient and, and doesn't want her aunt feeling hurt, but. Um it's really taking toll on her health right now, so mm-hmm. is there any tips and um, well uh we you you could just suggest to her uh and is it too late for incorporating supplements and other uh, good stuff into her um the aunt's diet um mm-hmm. to prevent further uh deteriorating?
2: That's a really great question. I mean, it's such a common, common question, and I've seen it not just in my own family, but, you know, in my patient practice. I, I mean, I saw this twice yesterday, the, almost the exact same question. Oh. I mean, the, the take-home point here is, that, number one, a lot of deep breaths. Um, you know, I, this is not easy. The repetitive calls and the repetitive questions mm-hmm. um, are, you know, very, very difficult oftentimes more difficult for the family members than, than even the patients sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think number one is, is, is coping skills, taking big, deep breaths. Um, and, you know, when it gets to the point of, you know, why would the patient be doing this? Why does this happen? Well, number one, it's, kind of a part of the disease, that's, that's a common part of the disease, but what can be done? You know, I think the the question that I would have is what types of therapies are being used now? Is your aunt being um, um, treated with, um, you know, a variety of ways? You know, nutrition is absolutely imperative, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it's, it's much more than just nutrition. It's, you know, physical exercise, mental stimulation are absolutely important. You know, if, if uh, the person's getting no activity whatsoever, physical exercise actually decreases um, the, you know the bad sort of proteins that get stuck in the brain of, of people with memory loss and alzheimer's, so and when you add nutrition plus physical activity, mm-hmm. the effect is kind of like one plus one equals three. It actually works much better. Mm. so the goal here is to try multiple things um, got to figure out a little bit more about uh, the environment there um, you know are the are, are are the the people that uh, help out your aunt? are they trained on this stuff? Um, what are the stimulants around is there too much stimulation uh, at night, for example? can she maybe listen to me? Music. Can there be more relaxing music on in the background during the day? Mm-hmm. For example, classical music. There's been a variety of uh, of data on listening to classical music to calm and soothe the brain, and mm-hmm. that may maybe quell a little bit of the anxiety that may be causing uh, repetitive phone calls. So, you know, these are just a couple of um, a couple of things. Um, you know, when it comes to the the comprehensive treatment, um, there's so much that can be done. Um, it really depends on you know. Is some of the frequent calling due to anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, irritability, or is it just due to the underlying lining Alzheimer's disease? Um, what I advocate for in my clinical practice is a combination of, um, you know, FDA approved drugs. There's one or two that may be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, supplements, there's two, in addition to the DHA fish oil, um, something called curcumin or turmeric, have very high antioxidant properties. Um, you know, will that calm down the behavior alone? No, of course. It won't, but it's again a comprehensive approach. Mm-hmm. Also, very specific vitamins, uh, B vitamins, um, B complex vitamins, vitamin D. These are things that may reduce inflammation, may make some of the other therapies we talked about work better. But I think everyone needs to get educated and get informed, and make sure that you know everything that can be done is doing is is being done. And um, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you guys can uh, do that.
4: Mm, Well, yeah, I will try to pursue it with with my mother-in-law to introduce some fish oils and supplements, and yeah, uh, they are living in a Japanese and senior housing, so that might be a challenge, but yeah, we'll try.
2: (laughs) I gotcha. and even even in, this, in, the, in the senior housing place, you know, just making sure that the staff um, are trained and really understand, um, you know, uh, uh, there's so, so many things about um, the behaviors of Alzheimer's disease. There's actually a, uh, a really nice study by Cohen and Mansfield. All of the non-medical, um, really behavioral uh, modifications that staff and, tra- staff and caregivers can make uh, to make an Alzheimer's patient feel a little bit more comfortable and kind of reduce anxiety. You can, you can look up uh, Cohen and uh, Mansfield. I believe is the name.
0: And, and the music sounded fantastic. Like that would be really helpful for your aunt. Yeah, I think yeah. She'd like it. yeah,
2: absolutely. There's actually a CD. There's actually CDs you can buy on uh, on Amazon or whatever. It's uh, music. It's like a music activity and educational program. And basically, it's music activities that they can clap, clap their hands to the beat, Aww. snap their fingers to the beat, and uh, you know, music history lessons. Music, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, and it's, it's all uh, actually. It's, it's called the Therapy for Memory program, and you can actually buy the CDs on Amazon. It's like Therapy dot org or whatever. And the take-home point with this program is they just did a study, actually, across the street at University of Miami. And, you know, we've never known exactly why music helps. I mean, mm-hmm. I, of course, music helps, and we know this for a fact. But there are actually – a recent study showed that when you check the blood of people that have memory trouble but listen to music on a mm-hmm. regular basis, there's actually increased levels of chemical – like of, of, the, of the positive neurochemicals like melatonin and norepinephrine. And basically music can stimulate um, basically neurotransmitters or neurochemicals. In the bloodstream to make the memory and the body work better.
0: Oh, Wonderful. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much. We wish you the best with your aunt. And Thank you so much. That's no, sure thing. All Bye bye. Bye bye.
1: All right. Now let's talk to Dorothy calling from Chicago. There's
0: actually eight. Free- Hi, Dorothy. How are you?
1: And Dorothy, if you can turn your radio down, please.
0: <laughs> Hello.
1: All right, we're going to go to Jill, and we'll check back with Dorothy. Uh, Jill is calling
0: from Seattle. Hi, Jill. I'm sorry I stole your question. It was such a good one. Oh, no, that's okay.
4: Um, I have another question, though. Wonderful. Uh, Somebody that I worked for for a long time died about two years ago of Alzheimer's, and with him, his mom had it. And I understand there's a small genetic component of people that have one variant of the disease rather than, you know, everybody that gets it is there's different groups and
2: different percentages, is that right? Oh, boy, yeah. Um, so this is actually the exact area of my research, so I can um, kind of give you the latest and greatest, and, and this is stuff that you, you haven't really read it on the Internet and you haven't heard it on the radio because it's it's really hot off the press stuff. Actually, uh, my group actually wrote really the first article um, on the area of something called pharmacogenomics, and really the, the topic that I'll talk about now is nutrigenomics. Nutrigenomics means that people have different genes – and not just do genes predict or increase or decrease risk of developing a disease, but actually your genes may play a role in if you or how well you respond to a very specific type of therapy. So, for example, with fish oil, so a quick quick thing, and then I'll get into more, your question in a little more detail. Fish oil, for example, may work better in people that have very specific types of genes rather than other specific types of genes. So I am... Uh, maybe I'm a little bit um, I look at this differently you know I have a family history of of Alzheimer's disease I've actually four separate family members uh, with this problem you know throughout throughout my life Um, you know should genes and genetics and genetic testing be used uh, in terms of diagnosing patients with Alzheimer's Um, right now I'm gonna say no and I'm still saying no um, because just because if you have a gene uh, for that is suggestive of an increased risk of Alzheimer's does not mean that you will get Alzheimer's Uh, now Uh, Granted, if you have an early-onset gene, meaning get the the disease in the 40s or 50s, for example, then that gene may be a little bit more hereditary or or passed on or you may be at a higher risk. But the typical Alzheimer's disease is usually not due to that. Actually, 94% of the time it's not due to one of those early-onset genes. Another gene, uh, the gene you may have uh, heard about, is something called ApoE4. And ApoE, if you have one or more copies of this gene from mom or dad, um, that may mean that you're at an increased risk. Uh, the problem is is that regardless of having it, it still doesn't tell you if you're going to get it. So what I do is I put all of my patients um, on a very specific you know, healthy lifestyle, healthy nutrition plan. Um, and what we're trying to elucidate is, well, if Mr. Jones has this gene and eats this way, uh, will that actually improve someone's memory and protect their brain more, and that's actually what we're learning. Um, We'll actually be presenting a little bit of data on this at uh, one of the uh, upcoming conferences in Florence, Italy. Looking forward to that. And um, I think where this is going is personalized nutrition, uh, nutrigenomics. Um, I think we're going to be using genetics uh, to help with treatment decisions in the future. I think that when it comes to diagnosis, everyone is at risk for Alzheimer's. I don't want to scare everyone. I just want to basically make sure that everyone knows that they should be making Incremental changes, not just in their diets, starting today or starting yesterday, but in their exercise, in their well-being, taking deep breaths, de-stressing. Um, you know, the comprehensive approach at Alzheimer's risk reduction should start um, as soon as possible, regardless of family members, genes, or whatever.
0: Wow.
5: Fantastic. Wow. That,
4: that really helped. Um, <laughs> sure, there is sure a thing. formula, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Sage Memories. Have you heard of that? Uh, what is it called? Sage Memories, it has Good. curcumin, um, it has rosemary extract,
2: okay. and it
4: has lithium of all
2: things in it well actually um, so actually I just sat uh, so sage memories I'm going to my friend dr. Google right now um, sage actually the the actually has been studied um, in Alzheimer's disease and I don't know if we um, we don't really have um, the best results yet but we, we are figuring that out Lithium actually makes sense uh, actually fairly well um, when it comes to um, Alzheimer's disease now I haven't um, used lithium or prescribed lithium in my in my practice in terms of the kind of the FDA drug lithium because there's tons of side effects um, yeah. Lithium aspartate that's in uh, the, the product that you talked about yeah. um, is a little bit safer and whatnot, although, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to know because there's just so many different types of, of lithiums out there. But in terms of the biology, um, in terms of the cellular biology or, or how this works, um, I mean, lithium, potentially that type of lithium, as long as it's safe, may actually help. So I'm not surprised to, to see something yeah. like that. Oh,
0: good. It's well, good for the again. brain.
2: you you got it thank
0: you so much thank you so much Yeah, lithium is a natural curling element and
2: right of course
0: and so of course it's great for the brain you kind of need it and some people just don't produce enough of it on their own
2: exactly and that would be like like a lithium aspartate just uh you know the scientific term but not the
0: pharmaceutical version
2: right exactly
0: and also I, i had a question about you know you know Cholesterol is important for the brain and for its function, and one of the drugs that's very popular for cardiac disease and cholesterol levels, the statins. Do you think that that potentially inhibits brain function because
2: yeah, it lowers this is, it? This is a tough question. It's a controversial yeah. question. Um, I, I guess my mind has somewhat changed over over the years about this because um, you know I, I think that in certain people, statins can. Um, harm the brain in some ways and cause memory trouble. In other people, though, statins, the, the benefits of statins if they have you know, significant heart disease and significant stroke risk and other things, based on the data and based on my, my conventional training, I, I believe that statins can be relatively not just well-tolerated but also effective. That being said, there's a lot of unknowns about statins. Um, and The aspect about good fat versus not good fat, um, You know, I, there was a recent study that showed that patients that already had Alzheimer's disease, if they're put on statins, then very specific statins don't seem to help with memory and, and could actually maybe make things worse. Right. Another study, if statins could be used earlier on, that may have helped in terms of retaining brain volume. So mm-hmm. I'm dancing around the question a little bit because, to be, to be frank, um, I, I don't know if I know the, the yeah. best or correct answer just yet.
0: Well it's just so wildly um, prescribed. I mean you know, right. millions of Americans take statin drugs and, and there's holistic ways Perhaps, because I agree not everyone's exactly the same, right. which is so beautiful that we're figuring out you know right. in, in medical science that we're all biochemically unique in some way, right. Right. and um so maybe holistic approaches might work, and perhaps like niacinamide, you know large Absolutely. you know milligram dosages of those might work really well, and then if they don't work, you can always try the statins, so right. perhaps maybe if if you had a patient who was on statins uh-huh. and was having memory problems, um perhaps it would be um. A good idea to try some holistic methods, if indeed the patient was going to be at risk, you know, from, with cardiac side effects.
2: Right. So. Right you know it's 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 all balance. it all depends on what the other risk factors are okay. um, you know for example you know if you have a lot of things going on like diabetes high cholesterol obesity um, depending on how many risk factors you it depends on how aggressive you want to be if someone has mildly elevated cholesterol I always 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 and I'm just a brain doctor I'm not a heart doctor but I would always advocate whether it's in my own family member actually I had a, a very close family member that I advocated this for um, but uh, you know significant dietary changes fish oil I mean, you know, fish oil is you know not just natural, but it's um, you know it, there's actually a, a medical food that was a fi- that is a fish oil that's now quote unquote an FDA approved drug, but it's still a fish oil. It's never changed. It's just you know uh, uh, proven to that specific uh, level that fish oil should be first line therapy in a lot of different types of uh, high cholesterol uh, patients. So you know, so, I mean, to be really frank, nutrition, lifestyle management, and and using very specific supplements. Uh, I mean. In theory, unless you have, you know, several other comorbidities like bad diabetes, bad other things, um, you shouldn't just jump on a statin uh, for most for most patients.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. We're going to take another break here on the Marie Meniere Cherry Show. Then we'll come back and we'll go to Chicago and New Jersey and let people ask Dr. Isaacson some wonderful questions.
3: We'll be right back. Become a Reiki master the weekend of March 1st through March 3rd at the Hyatt House in Redmond, Washington. This two and a half day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2, and 3. You will learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants. Marie will be your instructor, guiding you with her own symbolic sight and providing constructive feedback. Take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified Reiki master. You will receive attunements that allow you to practice Reiki at the master level and information on the laws that govern professional practice in Washington State. Enrollment is limited. Please call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website at energyintuitive.com for more details. Wisdom Within is a new talk radio show featuring psychic medium and healer Lindsay Paul and animal intuitive and healer Shauna Fisher. From your lunch break to vacation, from your car to your kitchen, from despair to newfound awareness. Join this enthusiastic duo as they fearlessly tap into the depths of wisdom and help you soar to new heights by answering your ultimate questions. Get your weekly dose of spirituality with a kick of reality rolled into one hour. Thursdays at 1 p.m. Get out of your head and tune into your soul.
2: Real people, real life, real radio.
0: Really. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Marie Cherry show. We're having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Richard Isaacson in Florida, who is a Hartford graduate neurosurgeon. Sorry, I'm it's kind of mixing up my words a little bit. I might have to up my algae and get some more um, omega-3s <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> I've been using flaxseed oil instead of fish oil, um, according to some of my, uh, my um, acupuncturist friends because of my age and hormones, um, but maybe I'll add some more of the algae-based um, uh, omega-3s.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, There's different types of omega-3s, and you know the most common one, ALA, actually gets broken down to DHA, but just in very minute amounts. So mm-hmm. getting the DHA, for, like, for example, chia seeds, I, I have a lot of chia seeds, I have this new drink that I've been drinking. Chia seeds have tons of omega-3s, but they don't have as much of the DHA in terms of brain health. So omega-3s are great for the body, but DHA specifically is probably a little bit more healthy for the brain.
0: Wonderful. I love that. So who do we have, Eric?
1: We've got Dorothy on the line calling from Chicago. Hi, Dorothy. You're on the air.
0: Hi. How are you?
1: Good.
5: Thanks for taking my call. You know, I called at the top of the hour because I wanted to ask Marie something.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, how about you are so lucky to have this very educated physician um, on the phone, so maybe you could ask him. And, and I'll give you my um, opinion as well, but I mean, it's wonderful to take an opportunity. from. Good. Yeah. So what's your question, Dorothy?
5: Well, my question was about me experiencing pain since the end of December, Mm. and I know it's manifesting physically, but I know it's coming from somewhere else, and I was just wondering if you could see
2: anything.
0: Sure. Uh, do you want to speak about pain, Dr. Isaacson?
2: Yeah, so pain, uh, pain is a fascinating, you know, <laughs> pain is fascinating. Um, you know, pain can come from a variety of places, you know, from uh the nerves, from the muscles, from the all over the place. Um, and also pain can be felt, uh, you know, from a I'm a neurologist. Um, pain can be manifested from, you know, viscerally from, you know, the internal organs basically. Um, you know, uh, trying to communicate with, you know, the the peripheral nervous system, as we say. So um, pain is actually a fascinating area, um, and um, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. It would be great.
0: Ah, mine. Well, um, I, I'm actually looking at Dorothy from an intuitive perspective because it kind of right. doesn't matter where anyone is in the world. You know, energy is forever. Subatomic right. particles last just they're there and everywhere all the time. So, Dorothy, when I look at it, I don't know if you've had some recent loss over the last three years in your life, but it's, it's yeah. a lot. Okay, there's a lot of emotional pain in your body. Uh, you do seem very inflamed to me when I look at your whole body. When I scan it, there's a, a large inflammatory process. So this particular diet, the Alzheimer's diet, would be excellent to reduce inflammation in the body. Even the turmeric that Dr. Isaacson mentioned earlier is great for the body. Um, okay. So I feel like you're not processing through the grief. And and I okay, also yeah, feel I lost
5: my son uh, oh. in January of last year.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. So there's this, you know, a lot of times when we have especially a quick onset of physical pain, it's yes. related to deep emotional pain. So have you been seeing a grief counselor at all? I have not. I would recommend that. I think that would be a great idea. Someone who is neutral, you know, in, in your life as a practitioner who you can go in and cry to your heart's content. And uh-huh. get all sloppy and, and uh, someone who's just going to, you know, appreciate you and value you and, and help you find some peace about it. I'm very sorry for the recent loss, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very sorry. Yeah. Um,
5: okay, well, I'll, I'll take that uh, advice and uh, get to it.
0: Oh, yes. And we send you lots of light and, you know, happiness and, you know, hopefully some peace about where your son might be living now in the, in the realms of life since he's not occupying a space here on Earth. Thank, Thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Bloom. All righty.
1: All right, let's talk to Lisa in New Jersey now.
0: Great. Hi. Hello. hi, hi, Lisa. Do you have a question for Dr. Isaacson? Um, actually, I had called about myself, but I do have
5: a question for Dr. Isaacson. Um, my my uh, mother-in-law, um, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's fairly early on in her seventies. And um, she went into assisted living, and she had a stroke, and now she's in a nursing home. But uh, we're worried about my husband. And um, I had heard, like, the fish oil is is good in the DHA, and he doesn't want to take it because he has prostate problems. And they had said that fish oil causes prostate cancer, so Mm. he doesn't want to take it.
2: Hmm. Well, anytime it comes to the point where you're trying to balance the potential um, you know, uh risks and benefits of of taking different things. Um uh, you know, prostate cancer is a very, very common thing and it's also, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, different, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not a prostate cancer expert. From what I can tell, though, um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit mixed um, when it comes to fish oil. Like, for example, I think there were some studies out there that showed that um, if you actually uh, actually have a diet rich in, in, in fish oils, um, like before the prostate cancer is taken out, I think actually then the, the cancer may actually do better like after it's treated Um, but then again there was another study that showed that it could potentially increase the the bad types of prostate cancer so I don't think that's
5: yeah that's what he was he's worried about he doesn't have it he's worried about getting it
2: Right, gotcha. I mean, prostate Mm. cancer is just really common, and if you did get it, it would be possibly worse. So I don't think we know all the answers here. I think there's a lot of other things aside from fish oil that can decrease risk. Um, Number one, nutrition, Mm -hmm. nutrition, nutrition, and number two, exercise, exercise, and exercise. Um, The combination of of exercise and nutrition basically equals one plus one equals three. There's a synergistic effect um, and, you know, decreasing carbohydrates, adding uh, antioxidants, green leafy vegetables on a regular basis, especially if you're, you know, worried about uh, uh cancer for example you know uh get the green leafy vegetables get a juicer um you know dark cocoa powder is key um you know the healthy types of uh, of uh, of fats so like in avocados and um for example uh, olive oil in moderation extra virgin olive oil i um, eating very specific types of fish the lake trout mackerel herring albacore tuna and wild salmon are high in fish oil but then again they're not like taking capsules, so that may be a little bit uh, more tolerated in terms of your husband, um, and also a lower nonfat dairy, um, you know, little things like this, and, and you know, trying to decrease inflammation, the B vitamins, uh, vitamin D. Um, I think these are things that are really important. And finally, if he has any t- things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, obesity, it's really key to, um, to really get those under control because those will increase um, the risk of dementia or, or memory loss in the future.
0: Wonderful. Um, thank you, Lisa. I, oh, I'm sorry. Marie, Marie, can I ask you a question
5: about my eyes?
0: <laughs> okay, certainly, yes.
5: I my I've had like uh, inflammation in my retina, and mm-hmm. then I have like this uveitis that I can't get rid of, mm-hmm. and I and it's been like a couple of years, mm-hmm. and it just keeps flaring up and flaring up.
0: Well, you know, you have on the phone. Uh, a, a neurologist who uh, knows a lot about the body, and um, so Dr. Isaacson, would you have something to offer regarding that about her eyesight?
2: Oh, oh boy, um, <laughs> the, you know the the eye is the is the is the direct uh, the direct window into the brain. It's the only place we can see the brain because you look right through in, in the retina. But you know, um, I'm just going to stick to my brain doctoring, <laughs> okay. and I'm going to I'm going to pass this on to you. All I'm right. a simple okay. brain doctor. All right. Well,
0: um, but overall, I'm reading your entire energy, by the way, just, you know, not just your eyes and what's going on. I have general ideas about what certain parts of the anatomy of the body mean from an energetic perspective, um, but you seem to be very stressed and anxious. And so I think, really, I mean, it's like this itchiness that I feel even, even your skin could be affecting, you know, as it falls on the lashes and affecting all of that. So I, I really would work on reducing your stress because your anxiety level is... It's kind of off the charts from an energetic perspective. You seem extremely stressed. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. So meditation, um, you know, uh, taking good care of yourself, using good moisturizers on your skin would certainly be helpful to reduce, you know, the problems that are affecting the lashes and all of that. Um, But I think you need to actually start to appreciate yourself too. You seem to go out of your way to take care of everyone in your family. And I think you should spend some precious time taking good care of you.
5: I okay. will definitely try that.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for calling.
5: Oh,
0: thank you so much. Thank you both. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. So, Dr. Isaacson, you have on, uh, you also have a nine week dietary plan. So, tell me a little bit about that.
2: Exactly. So, you know, you know, when my mom taught me a couple things, she said Rome wasn't built in a day. And what that basically means is, you know, a lot of people, you know, it took me years to really understand not only how to eat healthy, but also to change my dietary patterns. And, you know, I think, you know, we don't want, as my colleague, Dr. Ockner says, we don't want people to think that they're in a dietary, you know, holding cell or something, because, you know, you want to keep the belly happy in order to keep the brain happy too. So what we try to do is we try to have patients and, you know, my clinic, I try to tell them that every time you have a meal, you can make that meal brain healthier. And what we try to do over the nine weeks is incrementally um, teach people how to reduce their carbohydrates slowly over time, figure out which brain healthy meals are their favorites, which brain unhealthy meals um, are a part of the potential problem. And very slowly but steadily over the nine weeks, um, we try to put people on a brain healthy diet plan. You know, you can have a cheeseburger if you want a cheeseburger, but there's ways to make it much more brain healthier. You know I don't I don't eat cheeseburgers anymore, but if, if I if I craved one, I would maybe have a lettuce bun instead of the the, the regular yeah. bun. I would yeah. I would low fat you know low fat cheese instead of regular cheese, you probably couldn't even tell the taste difference. <laughs> Mayonnaise just skip the mayo or low fat or, or reduce calorie. Um, when it comes to the, the meat, either lean meats or what about a boker burger? Maybe a boker burger is better. So there's all different sorts of ways that you can, you know, keep the belly happy but keep the brain happy too. And in the nine week diet plan the first week Literally, you're not allowed to make any changes to your dietary patterns. It's all about education: reading nutrition labels, reading ingredients. When was the last time you read every ingredient on your nutrition labels? Well, I bet your listeners are doing it, but I bet my <laughs> patients aren't. So, um, <laughs> so that's really key. Um, and then, little by little, making incremental changes over the nine weeks um has really—it's basically how we've seen the most success in uh, my clinical practice.
0: Wow, wow. Well, I can tell you, it has been just an absolute pleasure. An honor to have you on the show. It's just so refreshing, everything that you've learned and your compassion and your care for your patients and and their whole health. Of course, their brain health, which you are um, luckily very passionate about because we all benefit from that passion, (laughs) all your research and all the new things that are coming in discovery about your work. Um, But we're just very lucky that you're so well-rounded in your philosophy of life because isn't it fun to find new things to eat? I mean, it's kind of exciting. Right. Absolutely. You know, I like... I love having lettuce wrapped around my burger because I want a burger. I, You know, I know red meat isn't that good for you, but there are days I just want a teriyaki burger and a whole bunch of fries. You know, <laughs> So you can go without the bun and have yeah. a nice cup of water and maybe a smoothie with the cocoa powder in, right? Yeah. there you
2: go. You read my mind. you got it. <laughs> Yeah,
0: well, thank you so much, Dr. Isaacson. It was a pleasure, an absolute okay, pleasure thanks. having you and <laughs> love to have you on the show again.
2: Thanks. Good. Thanks, Maria. Thanks. I uh, really enjoyed uh, the phone calls, too, and uh, all the best. Hopefully, see you in Seattle one of these days.
0: That'd be wonderful. Thank
2: (laughs) you. Take care. All the
0: best. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into the show today. It's been my absolute pleasure. I know we still have people waiting to have questions answered, and we're very sorry about that. It will be just me in the studio next week, so I'll be answering all the caller's questions then. And then on February 2nd, I'm going to be in Portland at the New Renaissance Bookstore. Book I will be doing a book signing and, of course, doing mini readings in the audience and taking your questions and uh, all those lovely things.
1: And remember, that's at your new time uh, next week, uh, 9 a.m.
0: 9 a.m. Yeah. I know. We're, we're now on, so sad. We want we're... to call into the show. Exactly. You want to call in at 9 a.m. At 9 a.m. Yeah. Thursdays at 9 a.m. We won't be hanging out with Eric, but hopefully you'll <laughs> still be listening to KKNW and whatever sure. happens to fill the noon hour here of on course. Thursdays. We look forward to it. So thank you very much, everyone. Have a beautiful day in your part of the world. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye.